You're listening to Spirited Spirits, a spooky-centric podcast where we enjoy a spirit while we talk about spirits. I'm Steph. And I'm Drew. Thanks for joining us for our special Kentucky Derby edition of Spirited Spirits. That's right. Tonight we are drinking the traditional Kentucky Derby cocktail, the mint julep. And it's pretty simple to make. We're actually using Maker's 46 bourbon. Mm-hmm. And fresh mint leaves from my garden. Yeah, and so it's if you don't know how to make a mint julep, it's pretty easy. You just muddle some mint leaves, add some simple syrup, pour in the bourbon, and top with crushed ice and, of course, more mint leaves. Um, we have the recipe up on our Instagram in case uh, you want, like, the exact measurements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we thought, what better topic to discuss for Derby Weekend than the haunted history of Churchill Downs, Old Louisville's Millionaire's Row, and the Bell of Louisville. And for our listeners outside of Kentucky, you may not be aware that we have a Kentucky Derby Festival leading up to the two-minute horse race. Um, there are several several events, <laughs> including Thunder Over Louisville, which is an air show and fireworks display, the Great Steamboat Race, which features the Bell of Louisville. Right. So let's dive in. First, I want to talk about Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby Museum. I found a couple different articles that detail some of the sordid history that could explain some of the weird things that have been happening or have been reported in and around the grounds. So Career Journal reporter Maggie Mendersky interviewed Ronnie Drysdat, the manager of education services at the Kentucky Derby Museum. And in this article, he revealed some spooky stories about the museum. So apparently, when the museum first opened in 1985, the year I was born, (laughs) staff would find jockey-related items thrown all over the floor in the gift gift shop storage area in the basement. It happened several times. And then one day, there was a technician who was working on some footage from a previous Kentucky Derby race. When all of a sudden, the film faded from the screen, and a woman's horrified screams came across the speakers. That's pretty that's, creepy. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. yeah. If I was editing the I w- footage, I, w- I, would, I would, would be noping out at that point because yeah. that would freak me out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Ronnie also said that the elevators will move up and down on their own without anyone operating them. So Ronnie actually did some research, and he was trying to figure out what could be the cause of some of these weird incidents. And he discovered that the museum was built on the same location as the old racetrack hospital where uh, where injured jockeys were brought. And some had even died. Some even died on the grounds because of their injuries. So now this part, I'm going to kind of briefly go over it. It's kind of gruesome. But one of the jockeys who died on the grounds was Bert Miller. In 1906, <laughs> Bert was riding a horse named Dresden. When he somehow fell off and was trampled. Yikes. His head and skull had been crushed by the weight of the horse's hoof. So we've talked about this before, about how like places that <clears throat> have like a significant history of death and destruction and all that stuff, like Waverly, mm-hmm. the Scottish castles and stuff, seem to have more activity. Mm-hmm. So this this also kind of goes into... Um, one of my favorite movies as a kid, Poltergeist, mm-hmm. where they build the house on top of like the Indian burial ground type right. of deal. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Or not the Indian burial ground. It's just a burial it's ground. It's a Native American. Is it Native American? Yes. Okay. Well. But then they also discover in the second movie there's more to it. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. But, so this is kind of the same-ish situation where there's a hospital, like a jockey hospital. You know, people have died there. They build the museum, like, on top of wherever that was. And now there's activity. Mm-hmm. Sorry, going back, you're right. It was a regular graveyard in Poltergeist. We're getting That's off on a tangent. I but thought that was. I remember it was a graveyard. And he says, you, you, um. You moved the. You moved the headstones, but you didn't take the bodies. You didn't move the bodies. Yeah, it was yeah. a Native American. But then, no, but then in the second one, the Native American guy shows up. And okay. you find evidence of stuff under the pool. Oh, that's right. Anyway. So, okay, we digress. So, <laughs> In 1921, during the opening day of the fall meet, jockey Frank Pareto was kicked off of his horse and fell to the ground, fracturing his skull. And what's really sad about... So he he was unconscious, and he never woke up. He died. But what's really, truly sad is that his parents were there. They had come in just to see him race. So they were in the audience when that happened. It's not good. It's very sad. Also, the 1932 Kentucky Derby is apparently known as the Unlucky Derby because of incidents that occurred soon after. So apparently, during the race, the 13th horse on the field, Burgu King, ridden by Eugene James, he won. He won the Derby. James was later found to have drowned in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then another jockey jumped to his death out of a hospital window. Okay. So there's but, like weird incidents that occurred that, after. That could be like mob tie stuff. Like them knocking. Like, like the one that won wasn't supposed to win. So they, and so they knocked him off. Yeah. I've seen lucky number 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then lastly... There's the story of William Smokey, as he was called, Sanders, a triple crown winning jockey who was charged with accessory to murder. Mm. But the charges were later dropped after a salacious murder trial. See, Smokey and his buddy, Walter Schaefer, who was an exercise writer, went out partying one night. Okay, so he'd won the triple crown and they were, I guess, I don't think it was immediately after, but... They went out partying, okay? They picked up a couple of women, one of which was Evelyn Slowinski. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Apparently, Smokey got angry with Evelyn, and he hit her Mm. at one point in the night. Domestic violence is not okay. Right. And the men decided that they needed to get some fresh air, and they wanted to go for a drive around to, to cool off. But the women came with them. So the women got in the car with them, and they start driving. Again, they've been drinking, like, all night. And here they are. They're driving through downtown Louisville. They go to River Road. They start driving down River Road. And apparently Evelyn was, again, she'd been drinking a lot and he'd hit her. She vomited in the back seat, which then made the men angry. So they pull over. They shove her out of the car, leaving her on the side of the road. Now, for those who aren't familiar, River Road, which runs parallel to the Ohio River, was and still is a not very well-lit road at night. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it's more suburban. There are some businesses like restaurants along there. Um, there's some neighborhoods that are built up kind of between the road and the river. But 
I believe back then it was more like farmland. It was just kind of empty land space. Okay. So the men left her there in the dark. Then they they turned around for whatever reason. I don't know if they felt guilty and they were going to go pick her back up or whatever the situation. They turned around after a few miles of driving off and they were going back to where they left Evelyn. The problem is they were driving way too fast. One article that I found said they were going 50 or 60 miles per hour and they Mm. hit her. Oh my gosh. They then drove off and left her body there which was then discovered soon after by two teens. It's like a, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, a, yeah, a little bit. Um, Saunders and Schaefer were later identified as the ones who were involved, and they were arrested by the cops. Now, Schaefer's trial took place in January of 1936, and he was acquitted of all charges, all murder charges. They said, one of the articles I read... I guess that they were, it almost sounded like they were blaming the women. What? They were blaming her for, because she was like a woman of the night, is what I saw in one of the... Well, how dare she? So, the the Commonwealth's (laughs) attorney dropped the charges against Sanders because because Schaefer had been acquitted. There's no need to press charges against Sanders. Saunders, I don't know how it's pronounced. So, they they got away with murder. Yes. Oh, awesome. It's ridiculous. But, and then uh, there was also some reasonable doubt uh, because another witness to the crime said he suspected that the two teens had run over Evelyn since they were the ones who actually found her. But they maintained their innocence. They said they just came upon her body in the middle of the road. I, it sounds more like Saunders, you know, than Buddy Mm -hmm. did it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're, if they're, they were so angry with her like twice. Right. And they're driving recklessly and drinking. Right. And they even said when the, they were being interviewed, they said they felt a bump. Well. That they thought they had run over a cat. <sighs> mm. Yeah. So, anyway, I did want to let you all know the Kentucky Derby Museum offers ghost tours every Thursday night in October. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's called Horses and Haunts, just like that's where I got the idea for the title of this episode right <laughs> um but i really want to go babe i really want to go this year yeah you think kiddo would want to go with us i don't know they said it's not appropriate for kids under a certain age oh well because they, they discuss these some of these stories gotcha. and so and then you, you walk around it's like a 90 minute tour okay well kiddo will have to go to a babysitter <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so now i do want to talk about um quote unquote america's most haunted neighborhood according to author David Domine, located near Churchill Downs, Old Louisville, is a preservation district featuring hundreds of old, beautiful homes and mansions. In his book, True Ghost Stories and the Eerie Legends from America's Most Haunted Neighborhood, Domine provides numerous accounts of the history and hauntings associated with the homes in Old Louisville. Now, I'm just going to give you brief, kind of brief overviews of some of these stories that he mentions in his book, because I highly recommend reading it. I I, I just, if you want all the full details and the history, I suggest you read the book. And I I think we'll provide a link there in our show notes so people could click on it and buy if they'd like to. Yeah. Um, And he does also provide tours of the area, um, including a ghost tour. So there's like a, you know, a, a history of the preservation district 
And then he also provides um, this ghost tour where you can go on and learn more about these stories. So again, I really want to go. We're going to have to just make a list of all these places you yes. want to go. Yes, I really do. I want to go. So um, first he... So David first became acquainted with the spirits of Old Louisville when he moved into the Widmer House in 1999. And it's located on 3rd Street. It's known also as the Christmas House because it has red and green paint, a painted facade that's mostly red and green, so they call it the Christmas House. And it's apparently haunted by a poltergeist named Lucy. And he explains that he, he always considered himself a skeptic, I mean, he'd been interested in the paranormal, but he pretty right. much was a skeptic until he moved into this home. Oh. <laughs> um, soon after moving in, things started happening. Pictures were falling off the walls. Um, even after he, like, he would rehang them, he'd try stronger nails, like picture picture nails and stuff to try and keep them on the wall. They would still come off. They'd fly off the wall. And one day, he and his friends heard a loud crashing sound. Because he would host, like, these little friend gatherings where they would, like, cook meals and drink, you know, wine and stuff. Like a normal person would. Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, so it, I think it was, like, just something fun for him to do in his new home. Right. And so one day he and his friends heard a loud crashing sound, and despite searching the entire house, they could not find any explanation for the noise. Nothing had fallen. Um, they even thought, because I think it was around Christmas time, and so he was like... He wondered if the Christmas tree had crashed and all the ornaments had broken, but the tr- Christmas tree was fine. I mean, it was such a loud noise. They were like, did a chandelier fall from the ceiling? Couldn't find a thing. He also experienced strong coffee smells in his home, despite no one having made coffee. I mean, honestly, if I'm being haunted because I like the smell of coffee, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, if I'm just like, oh, Lucy, thank you for the wonderful smell of coffee. <laughs> He, is it Heine Brothers? Because Heine Brothers coffee smells delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't think um, I don't think he necessarily... I think he just found it weird. Mm-hmm. Like they, these little weird things were happening. So I'm going to read to you his account of what happened. Um, because he really... He beautifully describes... He's a really great writer. And he beautifully describes Louisville during the derby season. Oh, okay. So I thought that was very appropriate. Right. And it sets this, this scene. It really sets it... Um, you have this beautiful account of the Derby and then this spooky situation that okay. happens. Okay. So I'm going to grab my book here, which my dad got me this book one year for Christmas. It's like a stocking stuffer. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Okay. Here we go. For most people in Louisville, fresh mint in April means that the Kentucky Derby is right around the corner and that mint juleps are in store. So cheers. 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 Juleps. Okay. Had to take a sip. All in anticipation of the one time of the year when even the strictest of teetotalers will always themselves, or sorry, will allow themselves this one indulgence. People pull out rare silver cups and cocktail shakers, long-necked spoons passed down from one generation to the next, and secret family recipes. It seems that the two weeks before the actual races can barely contain all the parties, and at no time of year do the southern drawls sound as marked as they do in the time leading up to the derby. From the grandest mansions to the most humble cottages, debates rage as to which bourbon makes the best julep. 
if indeed one should use crushed or shaved ice in the drink, and whether the sprigs of mint should remain in the cup after they had been bruised with a silver spoon to release their fragrant oils. I had just returned from one of these parties the Sunday afternoon before the derby, when I found myself in the kitchen at the back of the house. Puzzled once again by the strong smell of coffee that pervaded the room, I suddenly felt a chill run down my spine at the realization that once again no one had made coffee the entire day. As a matter of fact, no one had been in the house since I left that morning just before noon, and I had been totally alone the several times prior to that when the curious coffee aroma had awakened me in the mornings. I moved next to the stove, and it seemed that the smell intensified, and I could almost feel the warmth of coffee brewing on a front burner. Although we had hired several men to redo the hardwood floors on the second floor a couple of days before, they would not be back until the following Tuesday, and they had the only spare key to the house. I looked in the sink for any evidence of coffee making and found none. I told myself again the smell must be coming from one of the neighboring houses and set about testing recipe for a book about Kentucky cooking I had just started writing. I had just finished the recipe and was cleaning up when the phone started ringing. Okay, so he goes on to say that his high school friend calls him. Um, she had been calling him from Texas to see how his recent move was. Um, and she asked him, do you have any ghosts? And he, he chuckled and told her that he had pictures falling, that strange noises were happening throughout the home, and um, just unexplained smells of freshly brewed coffee. But I carefully added that I considered myself a skeptic. So she listened as I recounted some of the details, and I suddenly caught my breath when a door on the third floor slammed shut. What is it? From the other end, Mindy sounded somewhat alarmed. I told her to be quiet for a second, and I listened as distinctly audible footfall started down the, the stairs. Ramon was away visiting his family in Texas, so I knew it couldn't be him. I think there's someone in the house, I whispered. The telephone stood on a small cigar table under the main stairs, and I stretched the cord to position myself to see up into the stairwell, but there was only darkness. I could hear the steps as they slowly made their way down the stairs, tread by tread from the top floor to the landing and then down to the second floor. Someone is coming down the stairs, I said softly, then holding my breath as the steps continued down from the second floor to the landing, just a few feet away from where I stood. The stairs from the first floor to the second floor doubled back midway at the landing, obscuring it from sight, and I expected someone to appear at any moment. It sounded like the invisible steps had reached the last landing and a pair of feet would materialize as they rounded the bend to come down the final section of stairs. I waited, but the steps simply stopped, the unknown source concealed in the shadows. I had the impression that someone had just walked all the way down the stairs and stopped on the very last step necessary to stay out of view. So, essentially, there's no one there. He's on the phone with his friend. And he hears these footsteps. So, but some, I just those are good writing, though. Yeah, some good I, descriptions of like the. Uh, I love the way the he feeling sets around up. Derby. Yes, I love the way he sets that up, and then he like, it's like he guides you into this haunted experience he has. Right. And he so he uses that to kind of then talk about this situation that happened right after he attended the Derby party. So anyway, it was just beautifully written, and I thought I would share it with you all. Okay, so according to Domine, many of these homes in Old Louisville were built 
by people associated with horse racing and Churchill Downs. In the 1920s, Daniel E. O'Sullivan, manager of Churchill Downs, owned a home in Old Louisville. So did Hamilton Applegate, Churchill Downs' treasurer and majority owner of the 1914 Kentucky Derby winner, Old Rosebud. And so there's a stretch of Third Street known as Millionaire's Row, which mm -hmm. is associated with the racetrack, placing bets to win big money on horses, right? There's a Millionaire's Row at Churchill Downs, which yeah. you can eat and drink up there. If you're a millionaire. <laughs> well, you have to be, <laughs> so. certainly have to be wealthy. Not us. Not us. <laughs> <laughs> One of the homes located on Millionaire's Row is the Campion House Bed and Breakfast, and it is said to be haunted by several spirits. Built around 1884, the mansion is said to be haunted by the ghosts of two young, blonde-haired girls wearing white dresses. The apparitions apparently like to hide behind the staircase railing, startling those working in the home. And the spirit of a young boy has been seen in the alleyway behind the main house. And David explains that the story is that a young stable hand died behind the house in the 1880s. So it's his spirit that lingers on. Okay. Also on Millionaire's Row is the old Bowen Place, a duplex located in thir at 1324 and 1326 South 3rd Street. The ghost of an old woman in a rocking chair has been seen on the front porch of the home by numerous people throughout the decades. Apparently, the apparition starts off as a ghostly cloud, which then takes the form of an old woman sitting in a rocker. A lot of people have claimed to see this person, this, this entity. This is, this is the big one. This is the big one? This is the big one. <laughs> I guess the one, like, numerous people have seen it, so... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay, so now we're going to travel north of Old Louisville through downtown and head towards 401 West River Road. So we're, uh-oh, we're coming back to River Road. Oh. That is where the Belle of Louisville steamboat is docked along the Ohio River. Built in 1914 by the James Reese and Sons Company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the river boat was originally called the Idlewild. And she operated as a ferry carrying passengers between Memphis, Tennessee and West Memphis, Arkansas. Now, did you know that? I, did I didn't. Not. I didn't know that. I did not know this at all until That's... I researched this. This is crazy to me. See, it's the things you learn when you're doing this research. It's when you're doing cool. a podcast. When you're doing a podcast, <laughs> you learn some cool things. So the Idlewild arrived in Louisville in 1931, operating as a ferry boat between the Fontaine Ferry Amusement Park and Rose Island Resort. Now, those don't exist anymore. Right. The Fontaine Ferry Amusement Park is abandoned. Right. And it's very creepy. And apparently, you can go over there and, like, check stuff out. We should do that at some point. We can kayak over there. Yeah. This is, like, fun. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. So, a few years later, during World War II, she helped push, this is the boat, helped push oil barges upriver and also served as a floating nightclub for troops. Idlewild was sold and renamed the Avalon in the late 1940s. The steamboat fell into disrepair, but Jefferson County Judge Marlo Cook purchased it during an auction in 1962 for $34,000. It was his desire to reconnect the city with the Ohio River waterfront. And this is so, this is actually, I think, what started to spark their desire to like build up the waterfront waterfront park right 
The river boat was restored and rechristened the Belle of Louisville. The Belle made her first cruise in a race against the Delta Queen on April 30th, 1963. It was that race that sparked the traditional great steamboat race held every year since the Wednesday before the Kentucky Derby. We had, cool? we, didn't we have like something in high school where we, had, we went on the Belle We did, yeah. It was like our senior year trip something. or something. We got to go on the Belle of Louisville. Yeah. Right. It was fun. Yeah, I've only been on it like a, a handful of times. I, I think I've been once, maybe twice. Right. I think mostly once. <laughs> right. So, according to Spookiest Stories Ever, Four Seasons of Ghost, of Kentucky Ghosts by Roberta Simpson Brown and Lonnie E. Brown. I have a lot of Kentucky ghost books, by the way. I discovered that. When I was researching. That, yeah. I had a lot of ghost books You had a lot of ghost books anyway. But, the but fact I that found you, several Kentucky ghost books. That doesn't surprise me at all. I was like, oh yeah, I need to pull these out and reread these again. <laughs> anyway, so in, in their book, the Belle of Louisville is unofficially haunted. Apparently, they don't really like to you know, advertise that, like Why I said not? earlier. I don't know, but... I feel like that would be a big selling point, especially for people like us. Uh, maybe like now, stuff. but maybe back then when she, when Roberta and Lonnie were writing this book, it wasn't as... You know, ghost, ghost stuff has only, within the past 20 years or so, really become a thing. I mean... 20 years? No, I... Well... I maybe 30, but I would say... But I remember growing up, and there wasn't as much talk there wasn't as many ghost shows i mean there was unsolved mysteries and every now and then you got a spooky ghost story a twilight zone or like yeah i know but i'm talking about like there wasn't paranormal uh reality shows and there wasn't as much talk i mean now the travel channel the only travel, travel they do is like to it's, ghost places yeah the travel channels just locations. like just rebrand themselves as ghost bros network <laughs> okay so anyway Apparently, the former captain died in the captain's quarters, okay? So, in her book, Roberta explains that a paranormal group was aboard the Belle of Louisville in September 2004. She was also there, right, with her friends. And her friend had, t- had taken a picture of the captain's quarters. And then when he examined the photo, he saw that the face of a man on the wall, there was a face of a man on the wall in the room, that hadn't been there when they were there looking. So a crew member, he showed it to a crew member, and a crew member said that many people have reported capturing the face of the captain who died there in their photos. Well, now I want to go, now I want to go on the Bell Oval. Right, right. So the same crew member also said that some people have seen a face in the women's bathroom mirror, but they aren't sure who it is. It's not necessarily the captain. Okay. Um, there's also been reports of flickering lights, and they believe that that indicates when the captain's ghost is nearby. Okay, so we're going to go on the Bell Louisville. Yeah. Because, I mean, that that's, again, I, I mean, granted, maybe, like, not a while ago, you know, they, they wanted to keep that stuff hush-hush, like, oh, no, it's haunted. Man, cash into that now. Well, yeah. I mean, like, a haunted, like, haunted Bell Louisville, like, tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go up and down River Row and tell some of these stories on here. They would make so much money. Well, I mean, and, okay. So remember when we were first dating or maybe it was in college, we went on a ghost tour. But I we don't remember. We went on a couple of ghost tours. We in went, Kentucky? In we, Louisville? No, we went on one in, in New Albany. 
Okay, yeah, I remember that one in Indiana. But we went on one in Louisville, and it was a fine tour, but we couldn't go into any of the places. I think other than the Sealbach, which I oh, plan, I do want to talk yeah. about the Sealbach and the Brown in future episodes. So I didn't really bring them up here because some stuff I really just want to do a full episode about. There's right. also the Caldwell Conrad house right. that I want to kind of dive into. This and there was that haunted mansion over in Indiana. Culberson. Culberson. We, we did a ghost yeah. tour of that, too. Yeah, I actually um, had somebody reach out about that one, too. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so at some point we will do we'll do some some full podcasts about those specific locations. Because right. I think they'll have lots of good information. Yeah. I, I so I think the most interesting mm-hmm. like haunting stuff that we we talk about is like we, these places that have such a dynamic history mm-hmm. and like the Bell Louisville, but also Churchill Downs has such a such a history because I think yeah. you have like the glitzy you know kind of the front end stuff like the two minute horse race and how how great that is mm-hmm. but then there's nefarious stuff that happens on the background and the back end Mm -hmm. that you know you're dealing with gambling of large sums of money right um you have a spirit like drinking spirits you know (laughs) um but also i mean there's other stuff too there's like human trafficking that happens around the time of of churchill announced and the reason why i know that is i'm a social worker by trade and you know therapist previous therapist and you know there, there's stuff like that that happens on the, the other side of Derby, like, you know, because the wealthy and the rich are coming in and, and people want to profit off of that. Yeah. So I think that with such a history that this, like this place has mm-hmm. and there's so much stuff that's like being that, that is swept under the rug, mm-hmm. there probably is some energy there. Yeah. And I think that that's something to talk about because it's like. I wish I could find more. Like, I kept trying to find, I kept searching to see if I could find, and maybe if we were actually to physically go to Churchill Downs and maybe talk to some people who would be willing, like um, Ronnie. Ronnie Drestat? Drestat? Yeah. um, At the Kentucky Derby Museum. He sounds like he's willing to talk. I mean, he talked to a couple different journalists um, in articles that I saw. Um, and he does that ghost tour, so it makes me think maybe if we went and talked to him, interviewed him, yeah, or so you know, see if we could invite him on the podcast. Maybe he'd have more stories for a future podcast. Right. Follow them. Yeah. Next derby. Yeah, next derby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um. Well, listeners, if you've ever had a ghostly encounter or experienced anything paranormal. Um, whether it be here in Louisville, Kentucky, or be elsewhere. We want to hear about it. Please let us know. We What we really would like to do is have a collection of stories where we could feature them. We have a couple, but we need yes. more to kind of pad out that, you know, To create a full episode of yeah, listener so stories. If you have something that happened, send, us in, send it in. Or something that... Maybe a topic that you want us to talk about. Yeah. Like if you feel like, hey, yeah, I really was interested in that UFO one. Talk about abductions. Or mm-hmm. what about skinwalkers? What about yes. like werewolves? Or, or there's a haunted location in my hometown and I've been there and I'd love to talk about it. Like, let us know. Right. So email us at contactspiritedspirits at gmail.com. 
Also, if you aren't already, please follow us on Twitter at Spirited Spirits and on Instagram at Spirited underscore Spirits underscore podcast. And feel free to comment on the photos that we share. We've had some several people who've commented and told us that they had been to a location or had heard about something or they had some stories to tell. Um, feel free to reach out to us. We really do want to hear from you. I'm challenging you again to tell three people about our little podcast and how you listen to it every week and you're like, man, these dorks, I like listening to them. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. So, you know, rate and review us if you haven't done already. Um, thanks for listening. And we hope you will continue to join us each week as we talk about spirits while we sip on spirits. Bye. Bye.